Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Resourceful Agent Radio Show. Today, I have Cassie Allen here with Anchored Coffee. So Hello. Thank you for being here. I of really course. appreciate it. I'm excited to do my first podcast. Yeah, I know. I was surprised when you told me you were your first one. <laughs> I think I've only had one interview before, too. Really? Yeah. So um, if there's anybody up here locally that want to find your business, where would it be? And where can they contact you if they want to reach out to you online? It's at 451 West Dalton Avenue. It's in the Skate Plaza parking lot. Um, we have an Instagram and a Facebook page. We don't have a website. Uh, we kind of moved away from a traditional website, just use social media. And then we have an online ordering linked to it, too. To your social media? Yeah. That's awesome. So you can actually order ahead. You can download our app in the App Store, um, just Anchored Coffee Company, and uh, come up to the walk-up window, drive up to the window, and our whole menu's on there. That's super yeah. cool. We're going to put our swag on there, too. <laughs> on your app? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, also, a reminder for everybody listening to this, if you want to see the uh, full video version, make sure to check it out on YouTube at Resourceful Agent. Um, you can also listen to the full audio version on iTunes, Spotify, or resourcefulagent.com. So... Um, so I wanted to get into a little bit of your story. You've owned your business for about two years, you said? Yes. Um, what did you do? Well, actually, where did you grow up? I grew up here, born and raised. Um, my dad was an Idaho state trooper. So we got moved to Sandpoint right after I was born, lived there for a couple years. And besides that, we've lived in Coeur d'Alene my whole life. Same house. Yeah. Same house. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I moved out when I got married, but yeah, same house. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what did you do prior to owning your business? Um, I was a store manager for Starbucks for almost 13 years. Wow. Just, I was just shy of my 13-year anniversary when I left and decided to buy this building, which, by the way, is a pole building that was built over a taco trailer. So really? it was quite the renovation. Yeah. I always thought, like, because you drive past these coffee stands, and I always thought they were, like, the tough shed type buildings. I Yours think is most a bit of them bigger. are. It's huge. Yeah. Um, when we got it, it had a 26-foot trailer in it. So inside of it? inside of the building. Oh my God. So it looked, it looked big, but not that big. And we had to cut the one side completely off and push the trailer out. Oh my gosh. And it's huge. There's almost too much space. So was it a, was it a trailer inside? Like they just built right over the top? Yep. That's super weird. It was, it was interesting. <laughs> um, so you were at Starbucks. What mm-hmm. triggered you to want to take off from Starbucks and create your own business? Um, well, when I so when I graduated high school, I immediately went into Starbucks because at the time you couldn't keep your health insurance with your parents right. um, once you turned 18. So I got a job there. Um, and in my time with them, they're very involved in the community. So we did a lot of community service work, um, a lot of stuff with the food bank and different organizations that meant something to Starbucks as a whole, um, you kind of had freedom within your own store on what you were going to dedicate your time to. So I worked a lot in Spokane. So we did most of our stuff with Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, So you could choose what you were going to do in the community? Yeah, there were certain things that 
like Tom's Turkey Drive that mm-hmm. everyone would do. So you had that huge presence of that many stores all offering their time to one organization. Right. But depending on what it was, you had to have it approved through the company, and then the company would donate money to whatever nonprofit it was. That's all we cool. had to do was show up. So um, towards my, I lost my dad six years ago, and I wanted to do something more in our first responder community than what I was able to do at Starbucks. So um, I ended up leaving, and you know we split on really good terms. Um, originally, my best friend opened it with me, but she has since moved to Las Vegas. So it big was difference from Coeurdelaine, Idaho. Big difference, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she, you know, she likes those big cities, and right, yeah. That's awesome. So, um, did you know anything about business prior to opening your own? Oh yeah. We, um, that's kind of the beauty of Starbucks. They give you all the tools and resources. They taught me everything. And especially, you know, I was 18 when I started. So they put you through, oh yeah, all kinds of classes and the district managers are so great. And it's not like corporate was out of touch. We were able to go over there and tour and talk to people and some of the people on the leadership team when I was there were former White House employees. Really? So, oh, yeah. There's, um, what is that show, The West Wing? Like, there's a guy on that show that actually was um, an employee of Starbucks up until a couple years ago. He's super wow. awesome. His name's Chris. Um, Chris Angscove. That's crazy. Yeah. Really smart people. So I learned a lot from doing that. There were hiccups, you know, once we opened and really got into it. It's it's a lot harder than what people think it is. Running it's your not, own business. Oh, yeah. It is yeah. not all rainbows and unicorns, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I right. wake up every day so happy to go there, and I feel like we're making a difference, so that helps. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know you're super connected with the community because I've heard about you prior to getting you on the show from multiple people, okay. one of them, Richard, you know? Yeah. And, um, so what are some challenges you guys faced after... Uh, well, starting your business and then after you opened it? Um, well, I quit a lot sooner than what I should have for my paying job right. to go into my non-paying job for a while. Waiting for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the just the permitting process of, you know, doing a renovation and you really should plan for double the cost of a renovation. Like there were so many hiccups along the way for that. And then finally getting the permit and opening like... Um, we planned for a lot lower volume than what we had originally, which is great, but we were going to cash and carry every single day, you know, trying to get deliveries from people. Just trying to scrape by. Oh yeah. Yep. So what was the turning point for you guys when that started to change? Um, it, you know, it took about a year. Yeah. About a year. Take it on your feet. Yep. Which we anticipated. Um, Stephanie left. It was actually only a few months after we opened. She decided she wanted to move to Vegas, which had been a dream of hers for a long time. Right. So I didn't blame her. Yeah, a little warmer down there. Yep, a little warmer. (laughs) Um, Her husband was a huge Raiders fan. So when they announced that they were going to Las Vegas, he was pretty excited. Really? Yeah. Um, So what do you you think drives entrepreneurs to do what they do? Because there's there's usually a tipping point for somebody who wants to leave um, a secure, Mm -hmm. you know, job where you get paid to transition over and be your own boss? Um, I think that's part of it is wanting to be your own boss. The, the freedom for me, I have three kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so making my own schedule, not that that's always easy. I actually kind of think it's harder than being tied to a nine to five. 
but the freedom is so awesome. Like right. at any given time, I can make my own decision on what I want to donate my money to, you know, and quite frankly, what I want to do with all of it. And that's something I've never had before. I always had to have 10 checkpoints on what we were going to do with that. You had to have approval for everything oh, yeah. you did. Yep. I think that's what's cool about owning your own business as well is just having people think you're going to create freedom, which I think long-term that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. You can leverage yourself out and build it out as a business. Um, but just knowing that you can grow that into whatever you want without any limitations. Yeah. So that's, I love the problem though, too, is I can't just do one thing. So Mm -hmm. we opened the coffee stand a month later. I was like, okay, where's the second one? Where's the third one? You know, what city do we want to do? Do we want to do a whole bakery? We're kind of (laughs) out baking the coffee stand. We make all of our own stuff every day. So that's something that's unique. We don't, um, source our food out from anyone. We get there between three 30 and four every single day make all of our own bagels and scones and muffins. Crazy. Yeah. I'm up around that time, but I'm at the gym. <laughs> I wouldn't be baking anything. I don't think I've ever said I'm up that early <laughs> at the gym. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Uh, the more entrepreneurs and people I, I interview, there's like the true entrepreneur at heart is somebody who just, they want to take on everything they can. So that's what it sounds like. Yep. Yeah. Just last night I was like, where I text, we have like a little group text at work with everyone and the gals that bake with me. I was like, make a list, make a list of all the things we have to master before we open the bakery. So that's our next, it's the next thing we want to do. So you haven't done that yet? No. So we, it's, um, we make all of our own stuff, but it's not big enough for a sit down. Okay. So we want like a walk-in, sit down, Joanna Gaines type That's bakery. cool. Yeah. Will you keep the same, you'll still keep your same coffee location. Oh, absolutely. That place is so near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Especially having to have after having to bring that trailer out of yes. there. Yes. Yeah. Is that the only location you have currently? It is. Yep. Okay. So we, this next one will be your second. Mm-hmm. That's super awesome. Yeah. And so I in had, just two years, you've you've been able to ramp up your business to the point where it's profitable, and looking to open a second location. Yeah, and I think that was such a shocking thing. You know, they plan they give you your five year plan, mm-hmm. like hope that you're in the green by the time you hit five years. So. Yeah, most businesses are lucky. Yeah. There's like the, the five year mark, the 10 year mark. And then, so we're very fortunate. So I'm, I'm excited for the future. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we kind of are diving into where your business is currently at. I mean, it's obviously doing well. Um, any challenges that you faced during the COVID-19 pandemic? We, um, the first week was really slow. I was scared. I, I cried a lot because you know, it's, you're not protected by anything. It's just you. And I'm very um, momish to the girls at work. Mm-hmm. I They're so awesome, and they're not replaceable to me. Like, I've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into those kids. Right. My They're my second set of kids just all in their 20s. <laughs> um, so I worried about their future, too. Like, you know, how were they going to go out and get a job if it failed during COVID? Right. So the pressure of that... Um, got to me that first week it started picking up the second week and by the third week we started running into shipping constrictions so we were having a hard time getting we couldn't even find flour it came down to we were at cash and carry three times in one day waiting for a truck and we weren't going to be able to make food the next day if it didn't come in because of the shortage of the grocery stores yeah and everyone was buying up flour and eggs and you know that's that's what we do you know 
I never even thought about it for the restaurant business. Like, um, you know, we obviously went to the grocery store as well and everything was just a mess during that time. Um, I I guess I didn't think about like you guys struggling to get your ingredients in there. We went to, I can't remember what grocery store and you know, they sell the smaller bags and we buy them in 50 pound bags and we were buying like three pound bags of flour. Just trying to make buy. Oh yeah. Just trying to make a batch of bagels. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So when you started opening your, your restaurant or your coffee stand, um, you obviously had to start hiring employees. Was that pretty scary for you to start taking on that kind of leverage? It was, um, to trust someone with the keys and all the money and everything and not be there from open to close. That's scary. Yeah. But luckily I, I started with one, two that I knew that had worked for me before. So I knew they were trustworthy right. and I, I asked them, we opened in March and it was about December that I started asking if they wanted to work there. Um, one of them was a baker. So I asked her if she had anyone she wanted to refer and she would not put her name on anyone that wasn't fantastic. So I got one from that and then that just kind of spiraled down. That's how we got everyone. And, you know, they were former retail managers and, you know, they had good jobs, but they wanted something fun and, you know, team oriented. I, made sure that every single person I interviewed, if they didn't have some form of community at heart, I, you know, there's plenty of places for them to work, but for It just me, wasn't for you. Yeah. I wanted to serve my community and I wanted the people that worked for me to want to serve their community. Well, it's cool because you can align your, your coworkers, employees with your vision like that. I think things start falling yeah. apart if they're not in line. Exactly. You know? People fight, you know, I work with a bunch of girls, yeah. so it can get catty <laughs> really fast. Oh, that's so funny. Um, it's funny that you say that you were nervous about allowing the keys off to somebody who you weren't there from morning till close. I see more people being afraid of just having to have the financial burden of hiring somebody. Was that scary for you at all? Um, I, for my business partner at the time, it was. For me, it wasn't. I think I was so confident in the beginning that... It was going to work. I spent years writing that business plan. Did you? And, you know, wanting something. I didn't know what it was. Um, Wanted something different than being an employee. Yeah. And uh, my best friend, he and I talked about that a lot on what what that would look like. So he helped me write the final business plan to take to the bank. So by the time I got that, I was was pretty confident that it was going to make it. That's cool. Yeah. So I want to uh, jump back a little bit. It was something we didn't really cover, and we were we were talking about it off camera. Um, but the story goes a little bit deeper for you, right, for starting your business. Yes. So do you want to explain a little bit of that? Yeah. So um, my dad was actually an Idaho State Trooper for um, it was 26 years, and he was a cop before that, and he was in the Army. He actually retired from the reserves and ISP the year my daughter was born. And when she was two and a half, shortly after I had my second daughter, um, he committed suicide. So, you know, there's certain things in your life that you don't know will affect you or things that happen around you until they happen specifically to you. And he had Parkinson's and he was on all kinds of medication where suicide is a side effect, but it's less than 1% chance. But when you're in the less than 1% chance and it happens, you know, It's pretty life altering. I feel like that changed a lot for my whole family. 
but um, I wanted to be able to serve the law enforcement community and the firefighter community differently than I was able to at Starbucks. Um, I reached out to a lot of national organizations to work with on how to combat suicide in those jobs. But you know, you they're the they're the people that see all of the things. Right. And when you stop working, you know. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. So after 30 years of that, you know, he had stories and stories and stories. And as I got older, he was comfortable sharing them. And for some reason, I don't know if it's a gift, but it, it doesn't bother me to talk about that. So I've talked to wives and children and even some of the officers and some of the firefighters just about the ugly things that are out there every day because they need to talk to someone and I'm fine if, you know, yeah, that's me. And I, I think um, I see people who are in those careers and they don't want to bring it home to their families. Do you think he had struggled with something like that for, for a while or do you think it was really the medication at the end of the day that triggered? I think it was both. Um, I actually, I replay the conversation I had with him the day of. Um, it wasn't planned. There was no note. He picked up my daughter who was literally his best friend like she was his little mini me went everywhere with him he rebuilt cars so she would go to all of these you know wrecking yards to find gto parts um but he that morning he said he had been having such a hard time sleeping and he just wanted to sleep which that's you know another sign like looking back on it now there are things that i think i could have done differently but Never in a million years would have thought that would have happened. Right. So it's hard to look back and say what you would have done differently. I don't think there's anything you can. I mean, people beat themselves up over it. Um, I, I had friends since I was young age commit suicide. I've had a lot of friends through the years. And it's something that you, you think back and you go like, man, was there anything I could have done? Or, or but I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm, I think I had to grieve differently. Cause I had so much on my plate at the time. Um, and I had a lot of people to take care of. So it was pretty life changing. And I think that, uh, I don't want to say I got carefree, but I was fine being uncomfortable. You look at life a little differently, right? Like when you see something like that, so I think you realize how short life truly is at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. So I reached out to lots of national organizations, and there's a couple that I really, really liked working with, and we donate money to them from the coffee stand. That's awesome. Yeah. So that had to have been a big struggle for you coming into opening your own business, right? I mean, you had that happen. How, sh- how shortly after that did you start your business? Um, I left a little over three years after it happened. So still pretty fresh. Yeah. Was that a struggle for you or was it, I don't know if I'm choosing the right words. Was it a struggle for you though to, to still have that on your plate and then start a new business and still be dealing with yes. the newness of all of that? The that newness. Happened? And I, um, I had another baby after I lost my dad about a year after. So it almost became this like pre and post death thing. Like he didn't meet my youngest daughter and now he hasn't been a part of opening this and which I know that he would absolutely love. He would have definitely had the talk with me on how risky it was and not keeping my salaried job. Mm-hmm. Um, like most parents. Yeah. Do. Uh, oh, totally. My mom still 
has that talk with me often. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it was a struggle. And I, I immediately, um, went to, we have a local foundation called the Kootenai County Police and Fire Memorial Foundation. They were formed after Mike Krylicek was shot. Um, and I knew that I needed to work with someone. So I approached them and asked if I could be a part of it. I'm one of the few that, you know, I can't benefit anything from raising money for this organization, but in my soul, I know that it's the right thing to do. So I had joined the board. I had quit my job. I had just had a baby. And then I decided that I should also open a business. So if anybody else wanted to donate to these same things, when they buy coffee from you, is it donated automatically or is um, there something? No, we do annual fundraisers. Um, and then throughout the year, depending on what's going on, we'll donate. And then my team volunteers at all of the events. Okay. So you'll see us out. We just did a charity bike ride right actually before COVID happened um, at Peak Fitness in Coeur d'Alene. That's one of our major events. And then we have a golf tournament in August. So my team's usually out there selling t-shirts or. So do you have to organize all that stuff or do you yeah. have. So I'm the fundraising chair. So you take that on. You have two kids, right? Three. Three kids. Three little girls. And your business. Mm-hmm. How do you do it all? Um, a calendar. Yep. I run on little sleep and I have a fantastic support system. I was never um, one of those people that talked about you know, your girl tribe and surrounding yourself with all these people. But in the last couple of years, I've really noticed that I did do that. I just don't think it was as intentional right. as some people do. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I got to ask you this because I think I can just see it in the conversation we're having. And uh, there's some people that are super motivated to take on a lot, which is obviously you. Um, what kind of personal traits do you think separate high achievers from the average person? Um, I think you just have to have a lot of heart and you have to be really focused. You know, there's the people that say like, Oh yeah, I'd I'd like to do this someday. Mm -hmm. And, um, if you have one foot in the shallow end all the time, you're never going to dive into the deep end. I think you just have to go for it. So what would you tell people who want to do it? And they're just sitting there scared on the sidelines waiting to do, uh, waiting to jump. Oh man, I don't know. Cause let me tell you, it's, it's a tough road, but yeah. you know, without risk, there's no reward. I think people feel more, at least from what I've seen, I know for me personally, and then friends of mine and everyone I, I've been having interviewed on the show. Um, I definitely see people who have left jobs where they work for somebody and started something else and they, they feel more fulfilled running their own business. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you worked for every single one of those customers. Yeah. You know, they're, I don't know about you or Richard, like we boost our social media. We're out, we're the ones out there taking the pictures every single day. Like, you know, we're yeah. hustling every customer that we get. And it's super important to us to, you know, give people an experience that they're not going to get somewhere else. So I think when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I have to, you know, make terms with how the day was like, mm-hmm. you have to kind of measure your success daily. Yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah. It's not uh, flying by the seat of your pants and just hoping it's okay. You yeah. make sure you take care of it. And some things, I mean, I feel like I always have a plan for a plan, but there are days that I'm like, listen, we're just going to do this today and see how it goes. 
How does everybody else react react to that on your team? Um, it's about 50-50. I have my <laughs> ones that are very like, okay, but that's not part of the plan. Right. And then um, I have a couple more. One opened, I think I only have one left from the day we opened. Um, her name's Sean, which is ironic because my dad's name's Sean. Um, and she's always, she's down for whatever. She's like, you want to bake this today? You want to, you know, you want me to stand outside and wave at people as they go by <laughs> on the highway? Like she'll just do whatever. And she does it with a smile and she does it for the whole team. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what is your future vision for the growth of your business? I know we spoke about the, the we ba- talked about the bakery. bakery um, but- I definitely want to do another stand. I don't want to like oversaturate. I want it to be special. Um, and the girls that I have working for me want to stay and they all want their own stand. So yeah, they do, which I just think is so cool. I think it's one of those jobs that, you know, you might stay out for six months, but it could definitely be long-term. And I have, I have a handful of them that they're like, listen, if you open the bakery, I want the bakery. If you open the stand here, I want this stand. So do you think that you'd want to have, I mean, if you were to put a number on it, how many stands do you think that you'd want to have if you looked at your business 10 years down the road what do you think it looks like I think I would only want like three stands in a bakery really yeah I don't I don't want more than that I want it to be manageable and I still want it to have the nostalgia that it has now that family vibe that yeah yeah so do you think at a certain point when you grow it bigger than that it'll it'll lose that I'm a I'm afraid of that you know I working at Starbucks for so long we would sit and listen to Howard Schultz talk about what it was like when he took over and when there was only 10 stores and what it was like to go sit inside Pike Street Market, you know, to the very first store and all of the people that would come in and, you know, then eventually it just changes. The culture changes. The culture changes and you get lost in quantity over quality and driving so much traffic that maybe you don't care about the heart of the traffic you're driving. And I don't want that. That's crazy to look at it that way. I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying because I think most businesses, they're running off of their, you know, their P&L every month. And, yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I don't I don't ever want to get to that point. And I don't want to say anything about, about Starbucks. They no, no. treated me so good. But At the end of the day, it's still a big yeah, corporation. you have 10,000 stores, you know, and you're in how many countries? Like, you can only... So if you were to open up all these other stands and you have girls that are willing to move up and take on that responsibility, do you have like a training set in place that you'd like to implement or is it just? Yeah. Oh yeah. Running? We wrote a manual and we change things all the time. Oh yeah. We wrote a training manual. Um, and there's things we check and adjust daily that we, we just don't think works right. And the turnover is really low. So my, my sweet Hannah that I just hired, um, I've known her for years she gave me a lot of feedback on the training because she um, she worked at Starbucks for a long time too. And she's like, I don't think the way that you just drop this on us. So we have to adjust every time we hire something new, someone new. So she, it, it wasn't favorable? No, not with her background, not with the learning style that she's used to um, and how cut and dry it is. But like Kara did so good with, the training process so it's kind of you know it's a struggle you know what what might be a benefit too is if you had um i know in real estate we we look at like personality traits so you do the disc yes. profile so it's crazy when you start breaking down the the profile of somebody's you know personality and what their strong suits are what what their weaknesses are and how different people learn and react to things um, that's so true maybe 
you have them do disc profiles and then you can tailor training through that might fit each quadrant of that. Yeah. Might help. Who works better with who? That's true. That's a good idea. So, um, why don't you tell me something you're not very good at in business? Um, I'm, I would say I'm okay at delegating, but I like to be involved in everything. Mm -hmm. It's, I, uh, I've never left the country and on a whim, I decided to buy an Italian vacation for my mom and I, Yeah, she hasn't been out of the country in a long time and she hadn't been on vacation since my dad died. So I wanted to do something special. So I booked a three week trip to Italy. Um, and I had, it was really hard for me not to text the girls every day and ask how everything was going and, and you just know, trust that it was running. Yes. Okay. And of course they did amazing. Sean did amazing and running it. Um, Obviously, I had no complaints. There were so many people that stopped by the stand to check on them and ask if they needed help going to Costco or cash and carry or whatever. And they were like, no, we got it. And, you know, I came back. Customers were stopping by the stand? Customers were stopping by the stand. And you like, know you have a great customer base then if you yeah. have customers going by checking on your business and for you. they wouldn't even, half the time they wouldn't buy something when they stopped by. Just, hey, I want to check in, see if you guys need anything. Do you need to go to Costco? Just buy more drinks. Yes. Yep. It was cute. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I don't think there's a lot of businesses that can say that they have a customer base like that. Yeah, we love our customers. They're amazing. So if you had one tip for listeners um, who are thinking about jumping into business, I kind of we kind of jumped into that earlier, but you know, what are some suggestions or things you wish you would have known before you started your own business? I think it's so important to do the research on whatever field you're going into. You know, coffee sounds easy. And even the bank, when I walked in with my business plan that I took years to write, um, as soon as I said, it's a coffee stand, he was like, okay, well, tell me about your experience because everyone and their mom wants a coffee stand. You know, it's a lot harder than it seems. So do your research and um, you kind of have to make a plan for if you get close to failing, how you're going to dig yourself out because you can't throw in the towel. No, no, there's people counting on you. There's people counting on you. And these are big investments. It's not free to start your own business. Right. (laughs) So you really have to have your checkpoints and you have to plan. Which a lot of people don't. Yeah. A lot of people. And I I can say that I'm one of those people with certain things. I like to just jump into it and figure it out as I'm going. Um, But yeah, it can can struggle. If If you stay diligent to doing the work it makes it a lot less stressful. Really? Yeah. There are days you're going to want to walk away from the work, but you'll be so happy that you put the time in to do it. So what keeps you going at the end of the day when, when there's those days that you want to just walk away from it all? Oh, well, my team, you know, they can sense everything. I don't want to fail them, and I definitely don't want to fail the people I signed up to take care of. That's super important to me. Right. Well, this has been a great episode, and thank you for coming in here. And I I really appreciate you sharing that stuff about your dad. I know it's tough, um, but it gives people a good insight of, like, what you dealt with leading up to it and really, at the end of the day, what your passion is that drives you to continue your business. Yeah, of course. I I love sharing, um, you know, although he hasn't been able to be a part of this since he isn't here, but I feel like he's a part of it because... I did it, you know, for him. Yeah. Well, that's great. If anybody out there is in Coeur d'Alene, you better stop by her coffee stand, Anchored Coffee, right over by Skate Plaza. 
And then uh, what was your social media again? Um, Anchored Coffee Company. Okay. It's on Instagram and Facebook. Stop by and try a bagel. You won't be disappointed. And I look forward to hearing about the bakery opening. Yes. How soon do you think? I bet it'll be within a year. Really? Yeah. That's okay. what we're shooting for. I would say sooner, but, you know, COVID. Yeah. That really put a wrench in everything. Yes, so. yes it did. <laughs> well, thank you again for being here. Thank you. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, the goal of this podcast is to provide solutions and influence others in business, real estate, finances, and personal development. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like me to cover, feel free to reach out to me at Resourceful Agent on Instagram and Facebook. And then I uh, also want to remind you, if you want to see the video version, please check out the YouTube channel at Resourceful Agent. And then go ahead and hit subscribe and then make sure to hit the like button on each video coming out. Uh, you can also listen to the audio version on YouTube or on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and resourcefulagent.com. Thank you, guys. See you on the next one. Did you find what you were looking for? I've got some work to do.